0: Hello and welcome to Just Black Talking. I am your host, Dr. Justin Black. And in today's episode, we have the privilege of having with us a special guest. Mr. Mike Alemu is joining us. Mike is the co-founder and operations manager of Negus Brewing Company. Negus is an Ethiopian-owned brewery in nearby northern Virginia. So we're going to talk about how he got this company off the ground what they're up to today, what their future plans are. We'll even touch on a little bit of ancient agriculture and some patent law. So sit back and relax. We're talking with Mike Alemu of the Negus Brewing Company on this episode of Just Black Talking.
1: Just Black Talking yeah.
0: Just Black Talking Just Black Talk Just Black Talk I'm just Black Hello, and welcome to another episode of Just Black Talking. I am Justin Black, and I am thrilled to have a special guest with us today. Today, we have Mikhail Alemu. We call him Mike, and this is the co-founder and operations manager of Negus Brewing Company. This is an Ethiopian-owned beer brewing company just outside of the nation's capital in Manassas Park, Virginia. Mike, can you hear me? Yes, Justin. Thank you. For Excellent. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you for joining us uh, today. We're going to talk about your company, uh, which I think is a fascinating company, and and hopefully people who already know about it are as excited as I am and as you are, and others who have not yet discovered the Negus Brewing Company will learn something new and head out and uh, join the fun with us. So. Uh, again, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, let's just jump right in. I want to talk to you uh, as co-founder of a company. What originally got you interested in being an entrepreneur?
1: Uh, so, uh, again, thank you for having me, Justin. I uh, appreciate you. Uh, so as for your question, being uh, you an know, entrepreneur uh, nowadays is not an option. It's a must, you know, uh, the way things are. To me, uh, being an entrepreneur is about ownership, uh, you know, owning uh, something, you know, creating something out of nothing. And, you know, uh, you know, it's just like, it serves a big purpose for me. Um, it's also about, you know, uh, creating, uh, freedom for myself and my family and everybody else. You know, when I say freedom, freedom of time, financial freedom, you know, uh, and uh, you know it's it's fulfilling for me. It's better, uh, you know, for some people working nine to five might um, just keep them happy and everything. Uh, for me, I just want to try my luck out there and just.
0: Well understood, and and I think that's a very universal feeling and and empowering to be able to, uh, as you say, uh, it's not an option, but to be able to go out and create for yourself and provide for yourself and your family, what drew you to this particular business of brewing?
1: Uh, So uh, my background in college is uh, biotechnology and uh, chemistry. So I used to work in the industry and also, you know, coming from Ethiopia, you know, our family used to brew, you know, uh, home-brewed beverages. And it's not really unique to our family. Every, Every family actually brews their own version of, you know, our traditional brews. Back home in Ethiopia, and uh, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Gizy uh, a friend of mine from high school, my childhood friend, who ended up in California, and we used to, uh, you know, always hang out and brew at home, and also used to go to different breweries in the in the local, uh, you know, San Francisco Bay Area, and you know, experience different, uh, you know, uh, style of bre- beers. And then, you know, that passion kind of started growing from, you know, uh, that business side of it uh, yeah, as well because, you know, Gizier and his family is a third-generation uh, entrepreneur. So it's ingrained in his DNA. And also uh, we have the same uh, kind of view of, like, you know, being an entrepreneur and providing for ourselves here and also the passion of brewing different kind of beers. And kind of uh, also noticed there is a lack of diversity in the industry. So it kind of presented a unique uh, opportunity for us to, you know, serve a niche market out there. So
0: so l- let me just back up a second. Now, the uh, co-founder alongside you, is that your high school friend? Yeah, yeah. We were childhood, childhood
1: friends and we went to the same high school. We were neighbors, uh, you know, we go way back.
0: So really a a demonstration of the, you know, the textbook American dream here. Uh, you're, you're making beer with your friend (laughs) as a profession. Exactly. (laughs) That's really great. And you've crisscrossed the nation a bit from California. And now you're here in Northern Virginia. And I suspect there's quite a bit of variation in in tastes and styles of brewing as you move through different regions of the country. Mm -hmm. That's true.
1: That is true. Yeah, Uh, starting from, uh, you know, back home in Ethiopia, my roots. uh, So, you don't, uh, I mean, beers, like, you know, uh, modern beers that are available everywhere right now. But like in the past, uh, like, you know, maybe two or three generations before that, you know, uh, used to be home brewed, uh, you know, like there's something called Tala that's like an L type. Is another mm-hmm. thing uh, called Taj. It's like a honey brewed, uh, honey fermented honey beverage. Uh, so those were staples, staples for every household for every occasion. You know, uh, the elders would brew this. You know, pass down uh, recipes. For, so it's a, it's, a, it's a really unique thing, and uh, the, the taste is different as well. And moving out here, I was first in New York where my family was. Uh, at that time, my you know taste buds for beer was not as developed, so I didn't really drink a lot of craft beer. I was like back in '05, and craft beer wasn't a big thing back then. But you know, as I you know moved through college, I uh, went to uh, Minnesota. Uh, there's a lot of craft beer out there, and then California, and then I'm out here now. And as you know, right now there's a lot of craft beer. Everywhere you go, there's a local brewery uh, that has a unique beer, and they have their own spin to it. And that's what we have as well, you know.
0: Now, you you mentioned a few things. Quickly, are you familiar, uh, you talked about the lack of diversity in the kind of brewing industry. Uh, Mm -hmm. Have you encountered any other Ethiopian breweries?
1: not out here at all actually is i haven't seen any uh is probably four or five black owned uh breweries that i know of spirit in the whole nation so
0: yes it, i, I it, think there's a, there's been a explosion in some recent years uh scattered throughout different regions of, of black mm-hmm. owned breweries right here where we are in the the DMV outside of the uh, uh baltimore washington uh Uh, and Virginia area. There's a few, uh, but again, I've not come across any other Ethiopian breweries, and that's really one of the things that stood out to me uh, when Mm -hmm. I came across this. Uh, Let me ask you this, the name and the story behind the name that you have chosen for the brewing company, Negus, can you speak Mm -hmm. about that a bit?
1: Yeah, uh, so the term Negus, uh, uh, spelled as N-E-G-U-S, uh, stems from an uh, Ethiopian name. It's a uh, title, actually, for a uh, king or royals. Uh, so Nigus means king or royal, and just uh, as uh, also, uh, actually, uh, my uh, my dad's name is also Niguse, which means my king, uh, and also. Uh, just a coincidence, my, uh, my business partner, gizi, his dad's name is also the same, Niguse. So <laughs> I was kind of, uh, it was kind of perfect because, you know, so this was say, destined
0: for you guys. E- yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're like, you know what, both our dad's name is the same Ngoose. And, you know, it's also has a special meaning for our people back home. Uh, and the whole Africa actually, you know, with the royalty, we think we're all royals, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and, uh, the term, uh, Negus has also been, uh, adapted out here in America, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, rappers such as Most Def. He has an album coming up called Ngoose. Uh, Nick Cannon. Excellent. Yeah. Nick Cannon has an album called Ngoose coming up. Uh, uh, Kendrick Lamar had a, a, a song where he breaked out when Ngoose meant he spelled it out, broke it down. Uh, I think uh, the song name was called I or something I forgot but
0: I, I'm I'm not p- exactly sure but it's definitely something that has made its way onto the scene here in America and it was new to me when I first saw uh the the label I wasn't certain even how to pronounce it so I had to mm-hmm. f- to do a little uh, asking around. Fortunately, here, uh, right outside of, of Washington D.C., it's a pretty big population of Ethiopians. So I got to yes. my answer pretty quickly. <laughs> um, yes, but yes. That's really fascinating. So, uh, an uh, more of an ancient title um, uh, of of high uh, leadership, kingship, uh, mm-hmm. or, or royalty, ruler, ruler
1: yes. of a locality. Uh, so every locality in the area used have a king or you know and the and uh also to uh in addition to those different angles uh, the rastafarian uh culture you know uh, from from the caribbean jamaica mm-hmm. uh you know rastafarian is the uh, rastafari is the king of ethiopia which is halas Selassie, and negus is his other title so it is also has a, like, uh, it also has a lot of follow, uh, followership in, like, in that sure,
0: culture sure. as well. So well ingrained. A, a quick Google search, uh, when I was mm-hmm. looking into this directed me to just, uh, recent history, which was a European, uh, story. And that seemed to be a bit misleading. But digging into mm-hmm. it a bit more, I see that we have quite a long standing history, uh, through Ethiopia, that region and Africa of what this is. And it's really great. As you mentioned, some of the, the rappers and hip hop stars bringing to light, uh, this term, this royalty, this love that we have. And I think it's really great that you've, you've chosen that to name this, this company. So that's really wonderful. Now, so far, it seems like it's pretty easy. You've got your good buddy from school growing up. (laughs) You've got an easy name of both of your fathers and, and has some history to your, to your homeland in Ethiopia. What kind of obstacles did you two run into to get this business off the ground?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, uh, part of uh, the, the the answer comes from, you know, uh, it's not an easy industry to get into. You know, lack of capital, uh, lack of connection, lack of information. It's a completely new thing for us and it's highly regulated. It's not something you can just start, you know. Uh, so finding out all those information was the biggest, actually, part of it. Uh, just we got to do a lot of digging, a lot of calling up, you know, the different agencies involved, uh, you know, get going online to different blogs and, you know, asking questions, trying to find out how and what we can do. And then, you know, finding out, uh, you know, uh, people in the industry that are willing to help us. Uh, Surprisingly, the craft industry uh, is, the you know, most of the people who run into, they are very helpful and they helped us and guided us and gave us their honest opinions. And, you know, as a uh, kind of a uh, brotherhood
0: or fellowship in the craft uh, industry and craft beer industry. So that's, that's kind of nice as well. So overall, within the industry, you'd say that you had a, a good
1: reception yes definitely definitely everybody's willing to help you they're really excited when they hear about you and your story and you know uh in this area especially in the dmv area you know like you said uh there's a lot of uh, you know there's a heavy uh ethiopian population it's it's very diverse not just ethiopian and everybody's cool and uh you know we're members of the different you know uh craft beer and uh uh, you know, associations in the area. We have connections and they all tell, you know, information you can just ask anyone and they can willing to help you. So it was, I would say it was a good reception.
0: Great. Nice to have support with that. When did you start the company?
1: Officially uh, we started producing end of 2018, I believe.
0: So still but relatively new.
1: Relatively new, but it's been in the work, uh, probably eight years or eight or nine years, you know, been talking about from, from
0: conception, idea conception to now, I would say probably like nine years. So the products that we can get in the store, those were not your first recipe in the garage with your buddy. That's not how it worked.
1: No, (laughs) there's
0: (laughs) a lot of, uh,
1: you know, trial and error involved. Uh, When you're scaling up, it's not really as easy as it sounds, but, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, uh, obviously. Uh, we have to do a lot of tweaking. Uh,
0: yeah. Without going through you know, uh, the secret recipe, so to speak, but you did mention a couple of things. You mentioned that home brewing is part of the culture in Ethiopia mm-hmm. um, and that there's a few different traditional uh, beverages, tela, which is um, more like an ale, and tej, mm-hmm. which is made from honey. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. And uh, Negus, are you making both types of those varieties? That's correct. Yes, we are. We are uh,
1: the 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 Talla. Uh, so the, the our our L or we call it Addis Tef L. It is uh, our uh, you know version of the Tala beer from back home, and uh, what makes it a little bit unique is that we use a grain called Tef. T T E F F. Tef is uh, an indigenous grain from Ethiopia, so staple used uh, pretty much every day to make uh, anjara. Uh, it's what we eat every day, pretty much. If you're familiar with Ethiopian cuisine, it's I am, and it's right delicious. Down. Yes, I'm sure you know about it, living <laughs> in DC area. Uh, so we do uh, use that grain. It's a naturally gluten free. Uh, grain so has uh, also that kind of benefits and its uh, nutrition profile is off the charts as well uh so we use that uh, grain to make that l and kind of uh, you know get it as close enough to the tala which is a dark l uh, uh which uh, like is brewed at home usually so a lot of people say it is pretty close to that tala but we're using modern equipment and uh, you know uh the fermentation is you know highly controlled and everything so it's a little different but that's our version of it and uh that that touch the honey touch um we call it mama's authentic honey touch is uh what we call here i think they call it mead it's a it's a honey fermented beverage uh, and we use a special herb called uh, gesho to ferment it. It's a source of, uh, uh, wild yeast. And it's also serves as a, as a bittering agent, uh, just like hops, you know, so it kind of counters the sweetness, it kind of cuts it so that it's balanced. And you can, you know, drink more than one glass pretty much, you know, it's very difficult to drink a glass of honey. You know what I'm saying? So of course, of course, uh, kind of balances it and it just makes it very enjoyable. And, uh, you know, so those are like our two, uh, you know, unique, Uh, uh, Bruce, and also we have our craft lager which is our flagship uh, everyday easy drinking smooth uh, craft lager beer about five percent abv you can have you know two three just like that you know so
0: so you have really uh the three workhorses of the production so far two being more traditional the tej Mm -hmm. and the teletef and then you have is that your american version your daily drinker the craft The craft is a lager, actually. It's a different kind
1: uh, than the L. Uh, It would be your daily drinker, American. You can just, when somebody says, you know, like if they're not a craft beer drinker and they're not really, you know, for a layman, when they say beer, most of it is like a lager. Like if you look at your Hennikins, your uh, uh, Budweiser's and whatnot, those Mm -hmm. are like a kind of lagerish beer. But this is a craft beer. We brew it in like small batches. So there's a lot of attention to detail and then the flavors and everything. You just you know it's just uh, very enjoyable to me uh, and a lot of people actually like it. Excellent.
0: Uh, the Excellent. other
1: ones, the the, the the so the format is twelve uh, ounce bottles for the for the uh, for the craft lager and the L and the, touch, the Honey Touch. We, brew it, uh, we bottle it in a seven hundred fifty ml, uh, like a champagne bottle type, like a wine bottle size. So the the format is also a little bit different when you look
0: at it on the well, y you, you had me at at more. So a bigger bottle is always good, in my opinion. Now, yes, <laughs> the the, the TEG, the the mead uh, kind of style, um, another ancient recipe, another ancient technique. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, the, our tej, uh
1: So the the recipe is probably. As old as like 3,000 years or more uh, from the time of Queen of Sheba. It has been told, it, it's in the Bible actually. Uh, Queen of Sheba went to visit King Solomon uh, in Israel and she kind of, uh, you know, took uh, gifts for him. And uh, one of the gifts uh, was like a, like a honey touch. Uh, and that's uh, so it's, it's been mentioned in that ancient history in Bible and, you know, So it's it's a I think it it might be the oldest drinks the oldest alcoholic beverage in the world. So
0: wow! And if it's good enough for the Queen of Sheba and King Solomon, I think uh, I think I'll give it a try. Um, Definitely, (laughs) absolutely. So um, now that's with honey and the teff that you're using. Now teff Mm -hmm. has a pretty interesting story. Could you speak a little bit about the history of teff? Uh, and how it's come to be uh, an ingredient in your um, your ale?
1: Sure, yeah. So teff is uh, uh, an indigenous uh, grain from uh, you know Ethiopia, Eritrea, in the East Africa region. It uh, is our you know daily staple food that we eat uh we if you ever had ethiopian food before it is uh and the in Jara, the flatbread we eat ethiopian food with mm-hmm. yes so it is uh, uh it's an everyday eating <laughs> you know we eat it every day pretty much but aside from that uh, nobody have actually thought of or maybe they have thought of it but nobody have done anything besides it besides eating it as injera and uh So that's when we, uh, you know, decided. You know what? Like, you can use to make uh, beer. You can use any source of sugar, like any kind of starchy, uh, you know, uh, grain. And but nobody I've ever used uh, teff to brew beer before. So as you know, our unique. We always look for some kind of unique uh, ingredients that reflect our roots and our heritage from back home. So naturally, yeast. Naturally, uh, uh, teff was. you know, our our target. So we kind of did a lot of experimentation uh, using it. And uh, the first few batches were, you know, a struggle. <laughs> but, you know, we kind of worked out how to do it. And then it just uh, kind of evolved from there. And now we have this uh, authentic Tef beer as uh, being enjoyed
0: everywhere. Uh, it's amazing. But l- let me just go back. So now Tef is thousands of years old in the area back home in Ethiopia. Uh, families almost all of the families are making their own home brew but none of them had used teft before is that right
1: uh actually uh the, the, in the on the talla when they make the traditional talla i've heard people some people uh, use uh, teft to uh, okay. brew that as well that's why i said earlier you know uh we try to make it as close enough to that talla and using the ingredients similar ingredients uh, but what I meant was uh, nobody in like in the modern b- brewing industry have used yes. Teff to
0: brew uh, yeah, beer before. So, so truly, really an innovative product that you guys have come up with to, to really use the resources, use something that's plentiful back home, that really is a part of the culture, a part of the region and the people, and make a very truly unique beverage. I, I think that's just remarkable. It's terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now – now, I'm not the only person that thought that teff was a terrific thing. Um, as you mentioned, high in nutrients, gluten free. Uh, it's being bounced around in, in the food industry as perhaps one of the new superfoods, like a quinoa, for example. Uh, but there was a, uh, there was a Dutchman who had a particularly keen interest in teff as well. Uh, you familiar with yes, Mr. Very much. Jan, Jans erosion <laughs> Uh, yes Uh, i
1: i don't know the person you know personally uh, but i've heard of the story and as was one of the our motivation for using Tef in this manner is because of this story and uh, uh, from what i understand uh, this person tried to patent Tef as their own uh, and uh, for people that don't know when you patent something you're telling everybody they can't really use it or they have to pay you to use it but uh, trouble comes in is because we've been using it thousands of years as part of our heritage or you know this is who we are and you can't really just come up there find it and just you know uh, patent it to use for your own benefits and Luckily, we live in the age of uh, information, and uh, uh, our uh, the government of Ethiopia. Or I don't know how they came up. How I don't know how they heard about it, uh, or but they found out about it, and the uh, they, there was a lawsuit. Uh, it was a hard battle. Uh, I think they fought for like I don't know, maybe ten years or so,
0: and uh, well, the
1: Ethiopian government won.
0: You know, it's, it's really a remarkable story and it, le- it lends itself to discussion on different matters, uh, that we don't have to go into here. Uh, but over at the, the blog site justblacktalking.com, um, I do have information about this, this, uh, this individual back in 2003, uh, he didn't just attempt to get a patent on TEF. He was successful not only in the Netherlands, but subsequently in Belgium, Italy, Germany, Austria, and Britain to patent uh, TEF, uh, which is remarkable. But it, as I've said, it lends itself. Um, this kind of agricultural patenting is a huge Part of our world these days, um, and it's, it's really fascinating. So people interested in a little bit more on that can go over to justblacktalking.com and, and read more about Mr. Uh, Jans Rojan. Subsequently, uh, the Hague ruled that his patent was, was baseless and it was, um, overturned in the Netherlands. However, uh, the Ethiopian government is still, uh, in battles in those other nations that I mentioned. Uh, trying to gain access to the TEF markets again. Uh, by having these patents out there, they're uh, prohibited, basically, uh, legally from being able to use what has historically and originally been one of their own uh, commodities and resources. And so it's just really a remarkable set of circumstances, um, a victory for Ethiopian government to be able to win the first of those battles and hopefully many more to come.
1: Yes, sir. We're gonna we're gonna continue to fight uh you know on the behalf of the all the Ethiopian people. You know, we don't give up
0: easily. So Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Ethiopia, of course, the only non-colonized part of Africa. They're very proud of that fact as well. So fight is in the yes, in the sir. nature of the people. It's yes, uh, in our
1: bloods, yeah.
0: Let me ask you uh yet another question here about TEF itself. Now there had been some uh government restrictions on tef the Ethiopian government was concerned for a period of time about the resource about depleting it about where it's being used and utilized and so for yourself, have you had any difficulties obtaining tef or do you have any plans as far as how you're going to source uh the the teF needed for your for your ale
1: Yeah, that's actually a very good question because you know uh it's no secret that, you know, Ethiopia is, you know, an up and coming country. There's a lot of poverty in the country. And, uh, Tef being a staple food and everyday food, uh, we, uh, felt like we didn't want to put a strain on the supply chain. So from the get go, we do not want to, uh, source it from Ethiopia because we don't want to make it more, uh, you know, uh, expensive for the people out there. So, what we did was try to source it from uh, farmers out here in America, and that's what we use currently. And we do have uh, uh, future plans to start cultivating it here. We're uh, in the research phase, uh, and soon uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll release that uh, news once we you know move to the next phase. But we do have a plan in the near future to cultivate theft in the in the U.S.
0: So once again, another innovative uh... Uh, concept that you've come up with to create and develop your own TEF here in the United States, independent from the supply chain at home—really remarkable. Uh, just beware of the Dutchmen when they come. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> uh, so, um, along those lines, we do have the the three products that we talked about: the TEF ale, the craft lager, the honey Taj do you have any plans to develop uh, any additional beverages?
1: Definitely. Yes. Uh, we would uh, like to use some of those ingredients to make different styles, uh, such as like an IPA, uh, a stout or a porter, uh, just like any other brewery will have different styles like that. We want to use, uh, you know, different kind of fruits to make different brews. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll be announcing those you know, on our website as soon as we do, but we have a lot of uh, exciting uh, products coming up. In it the definitely
0: sounds like an exciting time for you guys, and I'm looking forward to them. I've I've uh, tried your products. I really love them. I've been sharing with my Thank friends, you. and that really was what started the whole concept of, of uh, having you on with us here uh, today. Um, what would you like your customers to know about Negus as a company, about your products? what should they know when they, they come across this and, and they see it on the shelf?
1: Uh, yeah. So, uh, so Negus represents, you know, uh, uh, culture and we try to represent the different heritages of uh, Africa, East Africa, Ethiopia. Uh, we try to, you know, give opportunities to, uh, you know, uh, our fellow, uh, you know, uh, black people, Ethiopians, any, any you know, black-owned uh, suppliers, wholesalers, uh, as much as we can, we try to give opportunities to minorities uh, so that, you know, uh, we create more diversity in the industry, uh, we create more wealth and ownership in the industry. So, uh, yeah, we represent all those uh, unique uh, cultural
0: uh, phenomena. Wonderful. I, I think that's just great. Another question. We, we've kind of covered your pathway here from, uh, culturally growing up in a place where, where families make their home brews, so to speak, uh, uh, studying in school and majoring in, in some of the, uh, the biochemistries, uh, starting this company, moving through, learning the things that you've learned and now being an innovator in the industry, uh, developing TEF ales and even uh, exploring the idea of, of cultivating teff on your own, is there anything you would tell your younger self, your your um, pre-Negu's brewing self about starting this endeavor?
1: Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, that's the a, as a thing about entrepreneurship. You never know what to expect. Uh, it's going to be a wild ride. Hang on tight. Don't give up. Keep pushing, you know. Uh, it will be a lot of, uh, good days, a lot of bad days. You know, you just gotta continue pushing, you know. Nobody could have told me it would be COVID-19 coming up, you know I'm <laughs> saying? Like this in the whole world. But, you know, you just gotta adapt, move quickly and, you know, continue
0: to push. Has the coronavirus affected your production, uh, at, at your brewery? And not uh, uh, not our production per se, but
1: uh, some of our uh, uh, customers uh, are, you know, as you know, we're business to business. We can't really sell to individuals. We sell to other businesses because mm-hmm. we're wholesalers. Uh, we do, uh, most of them are, I would say half of them are like restaurants and bars. And as you know, because of the shutdown, most of them have suffered uh, more than us, actually. I mean, we really feel bad for them. Um uh, but also on the other on the flip side of it, uh because people were not going out to bars and restaurants, they were buying from stores and liquor stores more. So our uh our business kind of grew on the retail side, uh but kind of you know st- stagnating on the restaurants and bar side. So
0: yes. it's it
1: definitely affected us, yes.
0: I see I see. And in this area, uh, where can people find your products? I I found your product at a wine store that I'm very fond of in Arlington, Virginia, called Arrow Wine. Uh, and I'll have their information on the JustBlackTalking.com blog as well. But it's ArrowWine.com in Arlington. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've yes. got a very special section uh, online and in their store called Producers of Color. And mm-hmm. they're doing everything they can to feature uh, diversity and minorities, uh, and particularly uh, uh, producers of beer and wine. Um, as we mentioned, it's a it's not a very diverse industry. That's where I first found you there at Arrow Wine. But where else in the uh, area can we find you? And can we be finding you outside of the the uh, area?
1: Uh, yes, uh, you know, uh, first, you know, I want to thank Arrow Wine uh, for having that section. You know, they're good people. They really, you know, they approached, uh, they approached us themselves and, you know, wanted, they wanted to, you know, highlight uh, producers of color and, you know, that's a really good thing that they're doing. That they, you know, other retailers can model what they're doing so that, you know, we, get all, we all get the same platforms. Uh, so besides our wine, you know, uh, we have over 250 accounts in this area. So the bigger stores I would want to mention is uh, Total Wine, Stores all over Virginia. Um, There are select 7 Elevens in the Alexandria area. Uh, Yes, Organic Markets in DC, most of them do carry it. I want to give them a quick shout out. Uh, They're really being helpful and supportive. Uh, uh, Some of the counties, Montgomery County stores in Maryland, do carry it. Uh, If they, in case they run out or sold out, you know, if you go there, you can request uh Whole Foods, uh, we're in the final phases. Uh, actually, I just heard about it last week. Uh, uh, congratulations! There, thank you, thank you. Appreciate you. And we're also talking to Costco. There, we're like on the waiting list right now.
0: So, uh well, it sounds like you're really getting yeah. some some expansive coverage. Uh, and I wish you the best with that. I think this is terrific, uh thank and really you. a a unique position in the marketplace. Um, you know, some of the the, the Major corporations you see them trying to reinvent themselves every couple of years mm-hmm. they have a a lime beer this and a fruit that and a you know a red bull this or the other thing but you're coming mm-hmm. at this from a different position um, that i am particularly drawn to a position of history and culture and craftsmanship uh true craftsmanship and uh, i really am i'm I'm impressed with uh, your approach I'm impressed with your product um thank you thank you appreciate you justin it's
1: uh it's not an easy uh you know endeavor to do but you know it's very rewarding you know you bring uh, you know different ideas from your mind you just kind of see it in fruition. it's just it's uh, there's no feeling like that
0: no it's wonderful so uh, for all our listeners i hope that uh, they take a look. It sounds like it's not for lack of opportunity. If we're talking about the county liquor stores and total wine, which are pretty easy to get to, but keep eyes open at some of the uh, smaller places as well. And even hopefully coming soon in Costco's and Whole Foods. Um, anything outside of the DMV area?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, so we, uh, so before COVID hit, We've uh, expanded our uh, you know, distribution to New York City. We were in talks with uh, a uh, distributor up in Minneapolis area, and they, they were willing to distribute it all over the Midwest, uh, California, uh, as far south as Florida uh, and Atlanta, actually, and North Carolina. It? Uh, so, yeah, we were trying to expand everywhere, but because of COVID, we kind of, Pause that effort a little bit, uh,
0: but it's
1: in the works, and it will be available uh,
0: everywhere pretty soon. Negusbeer.com, that's where we can go for information. Michael Lemu, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing a bit of the history and the passion that you have for making these products. Uh, everyone, let's take a look. Go out, support this company. What's not to like about Mike? He sounds like the most pleasant guy <laughs> in the world, right? Let's support you, A couple of dudes appreciate that you. grew up together and started making great products. Mike, Thanks, sir. we really appreciate you. We'll keep up. I'll have links to the Negus Brewing Company on the website, com. I'll keep up with you. And hopefully, as you're releasing new products, perhaps we can speak again and uh, share the good news.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Justin. Appreciate you for having us. Thank
0: you. Everyone, that's going to be it. Please head over to JustBlackTalking.com for more information on Negus, the history of TEF, a bit of the history of the lawsuits that we mentioned with the Dutch patents, and again, NegusBeer.com. Keep your eyes open for it. Cheers. <laughs> Well, so that does it for this episode of Just Black Talking, where we spoke with Mike Alemu of the Negus Brewing Company. Interesting stuff. Really wonderful. Pleasure to speak to Mike, and I thank him once again for sharing his time, uh, with me to speak to all of us here, uh, on this platform. Uh, incidentally, Mike and I, uh, both in different locations and, and socially distanced, but we both were sh- enjoying an Uh, Aristef Amber Ale from Negus during our interview. Really good stuff, actually. Uh, I hope that you can go out and find some for yourself. Mike also shared with me that he's gotten really overwhelming support uh which was really heartwarming to him from the African American community as he's gone about his travels uh in the craft circles with that and that's always good to hear as well as we all support one another uh as members of the diaspora around the world and more importantly we're supporting one another as we're doing things that are innovative and wonderful so uh thanks again to Mike i do hope that all of you get an opportunity to uh get a hold of some of the negus beer Uh, Any of the varieties, whether it's the craft lager, the teff amber ale, or the mamatage honey, uh, give it a shot. Uh, It's probably better than uh, whatever the swill is that you're putting down currently. I want to apologize to my hip-hop friends and fans, in particular LaSan and Kenny, for missing the Kendrick Lamar reference earlier. Look, I did not expect Mike to bring it to me like that. Um, all I can say is you can't mess with me with this Rick James. So let's just move on. And please subscribe wherever you're listening. Send comments to me. Check out justblacktalking.com for more information. You can send emails to justblacktalking at gmail.com. I'm open to all of your input. Thank you guys very much for joining me once again. I hope that this was enjoyable for you. Thank you so much for your support, and uh, until next time on Just Black Talking.